so I'm recording now. So, uh, but yeah, welcome to episode one. Uh, we recorded episode zero. Uh, we're probably not going to release it. I might put it out on Patreon for the Sample Hours Patreon, but... That's a good uh, idea. So John Dowie and I, um, you know, I, the, I guess the whole root of this show is John and I talked back before I was a microgreens farmer, and we did a couple episodes together, um, a couple podcasts, and I actually think I released it no, I think it was two episodes, but I thought I released it as two episodes because I think we had like something happened and we got interrupted. That's what it was. Yeah, and I think we yeah. might have released it as one show, but it was a big long show. And um, but I, I pretty much at the time when I was starting, I was just going to be a lettuce farmer, and then I was going to also do microgreens. But then you know when you're living in the middle of a city with like that's the number one test market for restaurants and you have a 15th of an acre microgreens per square footage is a way better way to go so over the past five years john and i have talked off and on well usually it'll just usually be some random two-hour bitch fest that sometimes it would be like a year sometimes it'd be like a month but then through COVID and everything, we just decided you know it's it's a good idea to do content everybody's trying to put out shows about I don't know. It's it's to, to us. We don't always feel like the shows are necessarily um, realistic. I yeah, I don't think they're necessarily realistic. I think they're all kind of flowers and roses. And I think that you know, there's there's plenty of people. I, my buddy just sent me some TikTok thing. The ultimate side hustle: get these microgreens going. And all of his microgreens look like yeah. shit. And yep. and it's just like that's just what we need. We need some asshole who doesn't know what he's doing. Trying to get popular on TikTok, like oh, I do microgreens, and you know, and I'm not trying to sound like a jerk, but I think that you know, to be able, you know, my local mentor Joseph Swain told me anybody can get started in microgreens, but to to grind away week in and week out and make it for more than a year, that that is hard to see. Uh, you don't see that often. Um, People talk about how much money you can make. Oh, on the side, make fifteen hundred dollars. That's that's a lot of work uh, to make fifteen hundred bucks a week. Um, I do it. John does it. John's been doing this for how many years? Seven this year. Seven years, and I've been doing it. This is my fifth year. Um, so I mean, full time. This is. Let's see. I started the farm in two thousand sixteen, but it was like a part time thing. And I failed miserably midway through the season because I couldn't do it week in, week out with a full-time job yeah. on my own. So then I, I hired Rich, and then Rich would plant. I would do the sales and deliveries. And then Rich and I parted ways, and now I have Tim that takes his place. And honestly, man, I, my I mean, it, it is... I have a lot of advantages that you don't have, but you know what? We're going to get into that in the show, so... Yeah. We both have, yeah, we both have a different situation, which is going to be, I think the advantage of this show is going to be, we have a lot of similarities, but we also have a different approach and a different business model, really, like, because we, like, I lease a room yeah, that is a, a high overhead situation for me, and then you have your, you know, you're doing it at your house, right? Yeah, I do it at a house think, right? in the yeah. hood that is a in low mortgage. I mean, <laughs> but I mean, yeah. like, if, if I was, and here's the thing, too, yeah. if I was, I, what would I do? I mean, like, look, everybody wants to pretend like they like urban farming, 
But try and do urban farming in an area where the houses are two hundred, three hundred thousand yeah. dollars, um, and that's an expensive neighborhood. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they will call the city on you immediately. Um, so I don't. Um, so yeah, I think that it, you know we have the unique experience. I think that you know people don't understand uh, necessarily what to do with waste um, responsibly. Yeah. We both grow in soil. Um, I mean, you do your own mix. I mean, even the way we grow is a little bit different. Um, but uh, so, yeah, so let's get into this show. So uh, so this is kind of going to be our, our output uh, each week. John and I are going to talk about what's going on in our farms, maybe what we're struggling with, um, what our goals are, where we're trying to go, what direction we're trying to do. Um, so uh, we have an outline that I'm, I'm looking for. I had the outline... I had the outline pulled up before we started like the show. Kinda, um... oh, I found it again. Okay, cool. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I kind of like throw questions at you if you can't find it. Yeah, yeah. No, you can I definitely. Can I mean, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think. So segment one farm and business updates. Yeah, man. I, they're both kind of that, I think. But like, I just want to kind of keep the segments real simple at the beginning here, and then we can expand as we go on with the show, right? Yeah. So. Um, you know, at some point we might start taking questions from folks on the audience. That, you know, uh, that'd be awesome. Show for that kind of thing that might be good. Um, but yeah, I think we we should maybe lead off with your. I mean, I have you first. On yeah. The list because I felt like that was proper etiquette. Oh, thank you, sir. <laughs> thank you. I don't know. I just wrote it, so I'm like, I can't write my own name first. That would be weird and narcissistic. So. Uh, you know, I, I forgot I, we don't have my beef on here. So. Um, yeah, we were going to talk about that too. That's right. We. Yeah. We touched on a lot of the stuff in episode zero that won't be released to the we public. We did, and I think I think I deleted because I was like, "Oh, we covered that in the first show." So I guess the first thing yeah. is is wow, I can see you making live updates. That's wild. Yeah. So I think the first the thing that, that we should talk about is what we did. So with the pandemic, how it affected our business, and uh, yeah. the last time that kind of took over episode zero because uh, one thing that I thought was really interesting was I was in, uh, I was actually doing really well. So I was, I was, and I think you, you talked about this too, and, and I'll let you get into it, but I was, I was on set to do, 2020 was going to be my best year ever. Um, it was slated, I was going to do over six figures uh, in revenue. And I came close the year before. Um, I was doing really well. And then, you know, one press conference ended everything. And at the time, I was in a really cool options trading group um, for this my buddy Carl, who's gonna who I'm gonna have on the show, who just he just got banned from Twitter because if you're a, a black man, you, you're not allowed to have certain opinions on Twitter <laughs> that don't go with the norm. And so, shout out to Options Gang Carl, where he's at the civil right. So, but so Carl um, and everyone, I mean, it was really good, and I was like one of the few white dudes in there, and it was it was. Uh, it, all these guys were on top of their stuff with like stuff and they were looking at like market projections and everything. They're like, wow, it's crazy how small farms are really taking off. And I'm like, dude, I don't, it, it, one of the things that I saw was my local mentor, Joseph Swain, it kind of like the reason why I could get involved with restaurants was I think he was really tired of dealing with them. Like he was already at the two biggest and most established farmers markets. And I mean, he's on like year 12 at this point. So he was on like year eight at the time. And he was really trying to get away from it. I think he was just getting burned out. He didn't like dealing with chefs. He was like a 
traditional farmer, I mean, you are from the restaurant industry. I'm a salesman. I mean, I'm a telecom guy originally. Yeah. Um, so for us, we're kind of like this hybrid farmer, and we're and I think we're a, a tradition in the traditional sense what people expect the urban farmer to be. Yeah. Um, so I was able to go in and pick up all these restaurants and I, and I had a non-compete if Swain was dealing with them, I would, I would go there. And then if, if it was a place I knew he was selling to, I would say, Hey, are you still selling here? And he would say, yeah. I said, okay, they're, they're trying to, somebody there is there. I just, I'm giving you a heads up. And so him and I, we, you know, he still helps me out quite a bit. Um, but, you know, it was like he could, I was just buying soil from him initially. And then I slowly went to the point and he was like, hey, you need to start buying your own pallets. So he has a commercial space, but he has a bigger space than you. Like it has a storefront and he does mushrooms too. And he'd been trying to get like permits from the city. And now he just got his grocery store certification. So now he's selling like local meat. He's selling everything. And it's really cool to see. Because when we were first, when the pandemic was first there, him and I were talking like, I don't know what the fuck's going to happen. Um, he was selling to the local grocery store that could buy. So it was pretty much like, whatever Swain's selling, I'm not going to sell. Like, it's it's a big enough city. We don't need to compete. I'm not interested in competing. My product looks different than his, much like how my product looks different than yours. And so I fell off a truck. Like, when, I fell off a cliff once this happened. So what what had happened was is... All my restaurants closed. I was thinking, well, you know what? They'll, they'll at least send me the money that I owed them. Well, they didn't because they didn't have any money coming in. Um, I think at least six of their businesses I, I sold to closed. Um, and they owed me money at the time. And uh, so that sucked. And then, um, you know, thankfully, I was able to get, like, the paycheck protection money. And I was able to get um, self-employment. Like, I, I I kind of, cause I'm a single member LLC, I qualified for both. And, uh, and John will get into it. Our states are very different, so I'm not sure it, it was kind of different, but, um, yeah, it definitely was. Yeah. So yeah. I, I have connections to small grocery stores in Toledo. And so Toledo is about two and a half hours North of here. And I was just like, you know what? I got this product. I, I wasn't having any money. I'm like, I don't give a shit. I'm a, I'm, I don't care what anybody says. I'm essential no matter what. They can find me, whatever. I'm not closing my doors. I don't have anybody that's going to bail me out. So I drove back and forth to Toledo a whole bunch. And so I, I, I pretty much went to like a hood area, like pretty much the last market where you'd expect people to buy microgreens. And I was in there in a pandemic trying to give people samples. And it was, they were setting record numbers at the store. Um, and so while I'm in there, the beef, I, I noticed that the price of skirt steak, my, my buddy Greg said to me, hey, the price of skirt steak is going up. Um, it went up $3 a pound overnight. And I was like, huh. Well, I'm guessing I, this is probably a good time to try to get into, you know, grass-fed beef or talk, talk to some people that I knew from the farmer's market that were involved. So shout out to Hidden Acres Farm and my buddy Zach and, and his wife Kristen. Um, I have a cow there now, so I, I just leased some space, and him and I went to uh, an auction, and I bought my first cow, and, and I finished it out on pasture. And so I got in the grass-fed beef business because I was just like, well, you know, like I'm not sure what's going on with meat. So worst-case scenario, I have my own, um, I have my own source of, of beef. And so, you know, fast-forward to today – um, the beef business has definitely been put on the back burner. 
But I need to really update the website because I feel like beef is kind of like my gateway drug into home sales. So selling to direct to consumers because I still think I need to figure out a way to get that into um, to get into just straight to the distributor in case you know something crazy happens because it's just based on the way things are looking these days. It it doesn't really seem like the people in power really want people to go back to living their lives and enjoying them. Um, and, you know, yeah. if, and, and, you know, whoever controls the food controls the masses. So if we can control our own food sources, I mean, it's definitely the way to go. Um, so the, the biggest plan is I already have uh, sales copy. I need to do some, I need to get some art done for the website. So my good buddy, Greg Huntermark is going to come down. We're going to get some, some art, um, which is just photography done. I have restaurants that sent me photos. So it's basically like, you know, at, I sell to restaurants that people have heard of, but people have not heard of me. And that was kind of by design. I didn't originally want to sell straight to consumer. I thought it'd be annoying. Um, so that's, so that is, that is one method I'm doing for sales. So the other thing I need to do is we had talked in episode zero, um, of the picking up more restaurants. One thing I think, I decided that I no longer want to reach out to new restaurants or do cold calling. I think it's a way smarter idea to sell to distributors. So most distributors in my area are buying shit from New York and then they're, then, then it dies in like a few days and people get this BS from New York. Um, but I can jump right in there and sell my stuff for the same price that restaurants are already buying it for to, to them. And then they, there's plenty of room for them to mark it up um, since the price that it costs to get it from New York is like double what I'm charging and it's a superior product. So I just recently picked up a distributor and um, they're pretty much at this point just starting out. They're going to be getting, you know, about 10 pounds a week. So that's that's a pretty good deal for me. Um, and then but the. No. the What's your price point on? Can I ask? Yeah, absolutely. So, <laughs> so for, you're selling you're selling to them in like an eight ounce pack, I'm assuming, or something. Yeah, like Yeah. So I switched containers. So one thing I did. So uh, Rich was a big anti plastic guy. So we would sell everything out of uh, like of the shoe boxes that the Sterilite shoe boxes now. Yeah. The, oh, I see. I use a reusable for restaurant sales. Is like it NSF term. certified? Maybe. So yeah, so that was the thing. So it was reusable for restaurants, and I was doing it yeah, that. And I would but to sell. You can't sell to a distributor that way. Obviously, you have to just go with a plastic clamshell. Correct. Right? So, or, so, or you could do the cardboard wax thing, but that's not going to be durable enough. I, I I wish there was a non-plastic solution. Just because there's not. There, I mean, there's, there's just not. I don't. Yeah, I've I've done the research on the bullshit uh, biodegradable plastic, but I think it's a scam. It's like it's oh, totally a scam. Yeah, it's like it biodegrades in the exact perfect conditions in the exact perfect landfill over the course of, you know. <laughs> I mean, basically, years. you just say that so people feel better because everybody's so yeah, anti-plastic. So, and it's just like, you so, know, we use plastics for so much and they're really beneficial. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, well, and you're not you're not adding plastic to the system. You're, no, it's, it's uh, the plastic's already trade. there. We might as yeah, well use so, it while we have it. So anyway, so so you're. What it, so it's interesting you bring it. Let me just interject a little bit. Absolutely, like, yeah. So 
So I have any uh, the opposite problem because you're talking about Cobra Cressa probably. Uh, they're you know a huge distributor in a lot of Long Island that grows microgreens. I don't know their systems and how they do it, but I know they're like the leader in the industry essentially. Like when you see a new product come to market, most likely they introduced it. Um, so it's interesting because their product here, I have to compete with, and they'll like undercut me on stuff. Like so when I got into the business, I was at five bucks an ounce on cilantro. And that was like a good price, and now they've cut down to like three. <laughs> so, so there, there. What's interesting is I think I'm at two fifteen ounce on cilantro, and I'm about to bump it up, uh, yeah. just because we finally got. As da- I mean, you know, I mean, it's <laughs> it's a pain to grow cilantro. Like, yes, I, yes. I, I learned we figured it out through. I mean, talking to you, your old method, um. And then you and I talked about yeah, a new method, a new method. And, and I'm still not doing that. Released. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I'm still not doing that one. Yeah, and and I, I talked, I'm not allowed to release it. No. And I talked to a guy <laughs> from um, California and he told me the same thing. He was more than happy to help me because he saw his established, but he said like, I think it's a trade secret. Um, yeah. I just, respect the guy that told me how to do it i'm not going to tell everybody yeah like if somebody says this is my trade secret i'll help you but like and and, you know one thing was the way rich had done it it was working well most of the time but then it was like summertime like i just didn't have cilantro then i was just wasting seed and soil but yeah it's a weird seasonal issue yeah it's like it likes cool, but see, I was having a lot of success in the summer, and then I just had a different, you know, we just had a temp change. But anyway, I don't want to have a topic, so. No, 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 you're fine. Or, uh, so, you're, so, so prices, price. so prices yeah. right now, I charge, I mean, so everything is just going to be, so the, so I use 64-ounce clamshells, but, you know, cilantro's fluffy, and when I first switched to those, so I was doing half a pound in the one-pound container, or, like, basically, I always do half of what I Half of uh, half the weight of cilantro, I would do as the full weight of something else. So like now I do eight ounces in sixty four ounce containers. Yep. Yeah, that's what we do. Yep. And now I do four ounces of cilantro in the sixty four ounces containers. Oh wow! Because so the getting, we get eight in that. Well, I can get eight in that, but then the chefs complained. They said oh. it's not fluffy. I like it oh, fluffy. Well, yeah, after you go through just, are you doing direct to restaurant that way? Yeah. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, so restaurants and country clubs, and then I put a label on it. Um, And the whole idea was to figure out this year was uh, I had talked. I mean, just basically through through the pandemic, it was we have to start doing things differently, and and you can you can attest to that. So um, basically, you know. It, it was that the no brainer thing for me was, well, let's sell to distributors because that's less work for me because before I'd wrecked my truck and I was paid a driver like you and I joke about we were I mean, really, we were glorified delivery boys. That's a majority of yeah. how we spent our time. I still am. Yeah. Yeah. And I still am, too. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm in the car. I just now I yeah. I can do other stuff and I got I, I my neighbors helping me out. Um, yeah. I'm still. uh like 30 hours a week in the van. I'm not so bad, man, but I don't have to drive as far as you. So it's, it's yeah. a lot trickier. Um, yeah, I'm doing the coast, the New Hampshire seacoast. I'm doing Boston's twice now. So this week we started twice a week to Boston because of this new restaurant that I'll get into. But 
Nice. I did that today. So that's that was our first time down there today. So nice. very well on, on a Tuesday. Yeah, it's good. But anyway, so so picking up a distributor is interesting. I, I've tried and we had a distributor like two years ago we'd picked up in Maine and it was really exciting for us. It was really a challenge to get what they wanted because we're pretty limited on space and they wanted massive amounts of salad blend. And uh, of course, like <laughs> they're like we need 12 pounds or something a salad blend a week or 20 i don't know it's a shitload and that was the week all the fucking salad rotted oh man <laughs> right? so we made it happen but then they cut it they, they they i don't know the guy came back with some shit about it. it was just like the chefs didn't like how it tasted or something and i'm like come on like i sell to 35 other restaurants i've never had that you know there was something else going on there it is what it is but it was like $800 a week and it was just poof. It was gone, you know, after four or five weeks of supplying him. And I don't know what happened. Like Dude, I, $800 day, a I, week I, would be nice. Jeez. Yeah, to this day, I still have no idea what happened with that account. Like, you know, you analyze it, try to figure out what you did wrong. I still have no idea. Um, with everything else that we've ever lost, I can usually figure out if it was us or them or what, you know, what happened. But with that, I still have no idea. But, um, that was the first time I ever really had a distributor on lockdown and we lost it. But I've had other like really close, exciting leads where like distributors reached out to me and I'm like, Oh my God, we're going to get this. And you get really excited. And then it falls through. And I got to the point where I, so I'm in the opposite camp as you, my resolve is now I'm not doing distributors. I'm just done with it. Like I do, like you mentioned, I'm a restaurant guy. Anyway, I did 25, I think years in restaurants. So yeah that's my world. I go out there and I get, I do it, you know, and I like it. I like going in. I like interacting with the chefs and everything. And I, I don't really have a lot of problems with payment and stuff. Um, and I'm real lenient with a lot of it, but I also think this is a different market. Like everybody's market is different. Yeah. It just depends on where you are. Like I think New Hampshire and Boston, it's, it's like an up and coming or it's already established, but the, the chef, like the crop of chefs in this market is like up and coming, you know, it's a lot of guys that are like 30 and they're new to the scene and they're not the asshole old school chef, you know, that are yeah. like throwing pans across from, they're totally different. And so we, I, we really already have work. like an established culture of that. So keep going. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, they're just, they're good to work with. And I don't really like if I had a giant warehouse and a sales force or something <laughs> like I'd be all about like, well, let's get like distributors on lockdown, but we have the Boston produce market here and that's where all the distributors go for their, their needs. And it's like, they all sign contracts with whoever. So we have like this two friends farm or whatever in like Massachusetts. Then there's another grower in like Western mass. That's like a private label thing or something. There might be two out there. Um, I think there's one grower in Rhode Island that does this. And then there's Cobra Crest in Long Island. And those like five pretty much just always have all the distributors on lockdown. And I just said, all right, fine. Like, I'm not going to bother. You can't. Once you get in there and you talk to these big companies, they're like, nah, we already have a contract for the next three years. They're just not interested because it's such like an insignificant crop to them because they're they're making their money off. Like, here's an entire truckload of tomatoes. Right. They're not worried about five cases of salad blend you know yeah so like and they only make like four or six bucks off a package of salad blend so they don't really give a shit you know so it's it's almost like 
I worry about chefs wiping it off their menu because it's a lower uh, importance item. You know what I mean? And and it did happen during COVID. Like they were like, well, we're not going to use microgreens on takeout items because you that, know why would I? That happened and to we, me too. Yeah. Yeah, we got our ass kicked because of that. So, like. I just gave up on the distributors. I mean, if one comes along, I'm not going to say no, but it's just, I decided, okay, fine. I'm not going to focus on that at all. I'm going to look at like sealing up my market up here in New Hampshire. And then I'm going to focus on Boston. The weird part is in between New Hampshire and Boston, there's this huge swath of land (laughs) where there's a bunch of small towns like I sell to in New Hampshire. And there's probably 30 restaurants that I could like sell to, but I already go to South Boston and the restaurants in Boston are super busy. So I'm like, instead of getting five or 10 more restaurants that buy, you know, $60 worth of greens a week that I have to make all these stops for in between, I'm going to go for the big ones. You know what I mean? So I already have a bunch of those small ones. So, you know, that's a weird, that's what we're aiming for now. Um, but it's interesting. The distribution method is interesting. And, it, and I, I just think it highlights that, you know, everybody's market is going to be totally different. Like it seems like it makes a lot of sense for you because you're so much farther away from those producers that I just listed. Yeah. You're competing with, right. I you're actually, I talked to his chef today. Totally I talked to his yeah. chef today that he wants to figure out a way to get my stuff for this new location. They're going to be doing in Cleveland. And, um, and they want like live trays and, and I was yeah. just talking to him about it. Like, I was like, dude, honestly, I mean, like, <laughs> what you want is not hard to grow. Yeah. Um, and, and it's it's just one of those things. And I was trying to tell him about uh, another topic we're going to get into is the uh, supply chain issues. Yeah. yeah. And, and I don't know. I was actually looking at seed because he, he, they want, like, beets and lemon balm. And I'm not – I've grown – we grew – I grew beets before with Rich. Uh, Tim and I haven't grown them together yet. Mm-hmm. Um but they're not hard. I think getting the no. hulls off are annoying. Um, but I think there's probably just a method of growing them. I don't. It'll come off. I don't do it. I don't do it. I don't do it anymore. I just. Uh, so I noticed just real quick on beets. Yeah. I, the produce company doesn't dehull them. Yeah. So I stopped growing them for a long time because I didn't feel right about selling. You know these something that break your fucking holes, teeth, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I just tell the chefs straight up. I go look. You know, tell your expo guy there's going to be seed holes on these things and to watch out for them. Yeah. Because, and because they come from the, you can't, they can't get them without holes from the produce company. So why would I deseed them and sell them for the same price? <laughs> so, yeah. So I was just like, fuck it. I don't have time to sell these for $3 an ounce and deseed them. It's not worth my time. So I'm either going to not grow them or I'm going to grow them and sell them with the holes and let them know. Right. So I had enough demand for them so i said you know all right fine i'll just sell them with the holes and it is what it is so we're growing them now we're also growing the um the yellow shard or whatever so we're doing both of those but the uh i do them the same way i do cilantro now interesting just just so you know and um lemon bomb is a cut and come again crop yeah so but he wants them live so it's uh, uh so but it'd just be like well i could just sell you a tray and then you can cut and come again bro that was that was kind of my thought and i and i wanted to talk and i was looking at the price of seed and it was just it's it's expensive Expensive. seed how much how many ounces per tray or how many point two it's really low okay so it's like it's like basil so it's not many grams of seed oh 
Oh, okay. Well, that's actually like, doable at that price. I would actually say it's probably half as much seed as basil. So I, I use six grams, I think. I don't use grams. I know. You measure in ounces. You're like, <laughs> I use the imperial method, sir. We won a war, so we don't have to do that. You know that, right? <laughs> Even though we're trying to sell the country out. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm literally Googling six grams to ounces. Yeah. So I can give you an idea right now. Um, point two. Yeah, so I point two. Say, oh, so you, you don't use much basil at all no and it fills out i mean and i so, i sell that so as I, live trays so i use i use about eight to nine grams of basil for a 10 20 tray yeah okay so i would say yeah six grams was probably about what i use maybe maybe five i guess for lemon bomb so interesting yeah, it, it's like 140 dollars a pound or something though right or a half pound it's wicked expensive no i was looking on um I was I was I was trying to find it. I think you can only buy bulk on Kitazawa. Uh, oh, I, I, I'm literally going to the website right now. Yeah, yeah. I can only find it at five pounds. I hadn't looked. It is an expensive seed. So um, Johnny's had it. I think. I think that's where I got it. Is Johnny's? Well, Kitazawa has. You could get like five pounds. I think for a hundred and something bucks. Oh, that's cheap. I thought, but I, I'd have to look again. Um, yeah. I'll look as we talk. Yeah, right but so yeah, but so but that kind of brings me to my next problem is I really need to update the grow room. Um so traditionally I'd been doing this thing to where I had been growing outdoor in the summertime, like we'd had this greenhouse and then it was this cheap greenhouse I got off Amazon for like four hundred bucks when I still had my corporate America job and you know, and I didn't really know what the fuck I was doing it, but I just knew I was going to be an urban farmer, so I'd need a greenhouse or something. But you can't really grow in our climates. You can't really, you can't, you, you can only grow outside for a little bit, especially microgreens. Uh, but even then, like, it gets too hot. So the only thing I can really grow out there is radish. And the arugula likes it out there. And, but at certain points of the year, like the, um, Mustard's fine out there. Uh, the kale and broccoli are. But if it gets too hot, and then this year, man, I don't know if it was super humid out in New Hampshire or more humid than usual, but this summer. Big time. Yeah, it was like 100% humidity a whole yeah. bunch. and It, it was just, the opposite of last year. Yeah, and so my stuff just died so much. Like, I lost so many crops in the fucking greenhouse. Um, and something, you know, my local mentor, Joseph Swain, had said to me, a long time ago is man like you can't control it so you if you know you're trying to get stuff you know your goal with microgreens is to get to the finish line as fast as possible and if you are constantly um if you're constantly like having to mess with that or you know if if the days are changing because it rains too much one week or or just anything like that um it's just not worth it it's more work too for tim so tim is like you know, the whole idea of the production side of the farm is to make it be as automated as possible. So with that, um, you know, expanding the indoor growing, um, now that, you know, Rich isn't in there, you know, he had a, so much stuff in the basement, like just, you know, stuff I told him to bring, like stuff of value that he could sell. And, you know, we were just busy with the farm, so we never sold it. But now that his stuff is in there, it's like, oh, I could just, I could have used this whole basement for growing. Um, so 
the plan is to switch to LEDs. You know, initially we hadn't done LEDs because five years ago, not a lot of people were using LED, LEDs. Like it's expensive, we, yeah. And it, they were really expensive too. So, you know, if something breaks, like what are you going to do? So we just got those uh, those crappy lights from Lowe's that mm-hmm. quit working half the time. Yep. Um, and we talked about that in episode zero. We did, yeah. We talked about that <laughs> in episode zero. Don't buy the Lowe's LED or T8s. Buy the Home Depot T8s. Yeah. But the nice That's thing is, like. is that you can uh, allegedly, you, can, you could always just buy new ones and return them and say, oh, they're not working. Oh, I've never done that. That's some... <laughs> I'm not saying I, I've I, done it. I got shit. I did. I did. I said it on a YouTube video, and I had somebody like get all pissed off at me. Really? I was like... Oh, you just put this back in the box to take it down and return it. And they were like, I can't believe you would ever do that. And I'm like, you know what? Fuck them for selling a shitty product. Yeah, that's what I said, too. Well, maybe they should sell a product that actually yeah. works. Yeah, like, um, what the hell? I mean, I know it's, a, oh, it died after a year. I shouldn't be able to return it. Are you kidding me? Yeah, like, especially when it says, like, it's like it's yeah. supposed to work for, like, 15 years or something. Yeah. So, like, get out of here. Yeah. That shit. Yeah. So that's... And it, and it kept happening. So that was my other reasoning behind it. So... Yeah. Yeah. No. It, it and it also most of the time they'll set off the um. Those the the, the fucking shit the 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 outlets you're supposed to have a lot around water that are in like bathrooms oh, and kitchens. The, oh yeah. I <laughs> don't get me started on those. Those are the worst things on the planet. I swear to God, somewhere there's some guy that works for uh, Lutron or something or Leviton that just like got paid a shitload of money for lobbying Congress to make those things as part of the national electric code or something, <laughs> whoever does that. Right. Because so I had to rewire part of my room and I use those because those are code. And then I plugged all my lights into those with my power strips and stuff, you know, whatever fucking tripped every one of them. Yeah. And I couldn't, I couldn't keep the lights on. I was like, okay, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I have to take these out. And people are like, you can't take those out. And I'm like, well, I don't know. I can't run my business without having the lights on. So what am I supposed to do now? (laughs) You know? Yeah. So I just took them all out. And I went down to Depot. And I just bought the heavy, the most heavy duty, you know, 20 amp, uh, whatever regular old school outlets I could find. Like the high quality ones and put those in. So I spent like, I don't know, like $30 an outlet basically in the end. Because, you know, each... Each uh, GFI outlet is like twenty bucks. Yeah, and then I threw those away and went down and bought ten dollar outlets. <laughs> I was like, "This is fantastic." Well, I there was like twenty new ones. I'm like, "Oh great! I just spent like four hundred dollars on outlets. Like this is fun." Yeah, so, I, I I have to spend more money because um, I I don't know. Like you know, I had Rich do a lot of work that I don't think he. And he would actually try to tell me, and I wouldn't. So do you do you have not enough electricity in the basement? No, I have I have enough electricity, but just the way it was wired isn't necessarily safe. Yeah, yeah, and it was like it was already a bad situation. And it's not hard to run wires. To be honest. No, no, I mean Rich did it, but he he just he, we should have added another box to it. Like I've had an electrician friend look at it, so thankfully I have an elect- I have some electrician friends that will you help me for sub, cheap. You need a sub panel. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And instead, he just maxed out this panel, and it it just wasn't. Yeah. It just he yeah. basically he ran a new circuit for every panel which um which was cool, but at the same time it's just like, well son of a gun, man, like that's not uh it's not necessarily the best way to do it. So, I mean, uh, the ideal thing I want to do is is really take from my friends who grow cannabis and have like 
you know, dehumidifiers that you can run the water, um, maybe even filter the water. Um, and so it's, it's really as, um, self self-containing as it can be. Um, so there's some things that I just need to figure out, but I mean, there's ways to do it. There's some people, some hobbyists that have set up these, uh, that basically each rack kind of is its own little self self-containing. It, it's automated and everything. Um, so I want to get to that point. Um, there's definitely still, it's going to cost a lot of money. And honestly, yep. like th- everything that's come my way, like this, <clears throat> this pandemic and it didn't help that I, I ended up with that uh, physical control and I still have to serve some time in jail for, um, like a three day oh, weekend. I didn't, I didn't know about that. Yeah. Yeah. I wrecked <laughs> my truck. I thought I told you that in the last show. We didn't cover that, huh? Oh, maybe a little, but you didn't. Yeah, I I might have been I might have been drugged. Um, oh yeah, 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 you did say that. I didn't but know I you did some I don't time. know. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, time. yeah, no. So I'm gonna have to go and uh, I I I only got physical control, but I I don't have any vehicle right now. There's just so much stuff to have to pay for, and then just the yeah. business has been really inconsistent until like it's just like whenever I think it's it's good, like something's happened with like either training Tim or. The humidity kills most of my crops or just, just whatever. So it's, it's been like, it's just been one of those fucking things, man. And like, so whenever I feel like I'm getting on the other side of things, like just more bullshit comes my way. I, uh, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Not, not, yeah. I've been through that. I'm not there now. That's why. No, but I mean, we started this show because you, <laughs> I asked you about getting some trays and you're like, you just buy mine. I think I'm done with my crew greens. Oh yeah. You, yeah. You, cause you, I was selling barrels. I yeah. A shitload of barrels at, at that point. <clears throat> and you were like, you want to buy trays and you were like, how are you doing with micro greens? So I was just, just fucking buy all my trays. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, you're I'm like... with this shit. Cause I was like just working constantly and not making any money. And it's like, and that's something in the reality I think people need to understand about microgreens. It's like, you could grow in your house, probably, to a certain point, and then you got to move somewhere else, probably, or do something. Yeah, I had to move. I moved somewhere else because yeah. I, at this point, uh, I mean, it's already a 712-square-foot house. Um, you know, I don't think the basement's included in that, but the basement's pretty much all production. There's not really yeah. living space down there. And, yeah. you know, so, and I made it work with two grown men for way longer that with, with somebody <clears throat> with a complete different personality who, you know what I mean? I mean, I don't want to, you know, get into yeah. too much, but like it didn't end up working out. Um, and so now, you know, I, I'm renting this other place. Um, I haven't, you know, I'd like to cash flow it some way or how, but you know, every time, it, you know, when I go to think about it, it's like, Oh, I got to do this or I got to do that. Or I got to train, you know, my, the guy that I just had wash trays and help me while I was harvesting. Now he's planting and harvesting. Yeah. Um, so it's like, you know, so I, I'm doing less work on some parts, but then it's like other parts. I still, there's still a lot of heavy lifting that needs done. There's still a lot of planning and design work that needs done. And that falls on me. Um, so, you know, so we're, we're getting there, but, um, John, I want to dominate this conversation. That's fine. I don't know. I, uh, for some reason, my, my app over here decided to start live streaming and I don't know if it actually was, so I had to hit stop and start. So I'm going to have two sections, which is going to be fucking irritating in post. Anyway, 
Um, I didn't want to have a post. That's why it's going to be irritating. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I get it. There's always something, you know, like, uh, I don't know. I've been uh, living in this world where I'm trying to cram everything in because, you know, we have a we have a new baby and it's our first and we're in our early 40s and we're running this business. And obviously we just dealt with all the COVID shutdowns and everything. And my parents are in their late 70s, early 80s. I think I think my mom is in her late seventies. I think my dad's eighty. I'm not one hundred percent sure. And um, they live six hours away, and I just feel obligated to bring my kid to them every like six weeks or so, so that I can go look. He's different now. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so it's cram the entire week of greens and farming into a smaller schedule. You know that needs to be seven days, but it needs to be crammed down into five. So it's a weird thing because like I don't have. I just have my wife and I. So. Like, I don't have someone that's going to be here when I'm out of town to, like, take something out of germination, you know? So yeah. it's like, that, that's been our big challenge the last couple of weeks. And, like, last week we were all prepared to do it. We are ready to go. I had all the crop timing right, whereas the week before we didn't. So we scrapped the plan and just didn't go. So last week we were all ready to go. And we woke up Sunday morning at, like, 8 a.m. And I looked at her and I was just like, I'm fucking exhausted. I can't do it. And she was like, me too. So we just didn't do it. Like, we just, I was like, just beat. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe this is the reason. <laughs> but your <laughs> like, watering now is pretty automated? Yes, it, somewhat. Like, there's problems, but they're, they're sporadic. And like, the way I look at it is this. Like, so we have, basically, we have Wi-Fi smart power strips Okay, that do five, all right, on each one. There's 10 outlets, and five are smart, and five are always on. Um, so when I build a rack, I have, you know, five flood tables per, you know, stack, okay? And we have uh, one, two, three, four, five of those. Wait, six. Six stacks of five. Think about it that way, okay? Yeah. So I have six uh, power strips, all right? And each one has five smart outlets, and each one of those racks has an eight-foot flood table that holds eight trays, and that's has that has a uh, a pump plugged into each one of those smart outlets and goes to that flood table into a reservoir, and we just kind of figure out how long it takes to fill, and we go into uh, Smart Life and an app, and we you know do you know every other day, which doesn't work out because there's not an even number of fucking days in the week. And uh, who thought that up? Anyway, so <laughs> so we go, you know, like Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. So it goes two days in a row, Saturday, Sunday, which is annoying. Because the Smart Life, app, Smart Life app isn't sophisticated enough to go, you know, differently where it'll skip. Okay, so this week it'll, it won't do Sunday and next week it will. Yeah. So, so you got to do it that way. It also won't do anything less than a minute, so you got to kind of hone it down. You got to make some decisions, like do I want this one to overwater or do I want this one to underwater? You know that kind of thing. So the way we did it was we kind of set it up that way, with some of these mistakes that we understand are going to happen, but we reconciled it with the fact that we fuck up all the time if we do it manually. So, like, if I'm standing there with the app and just hitting on off on the pump, and then getting distracted which is I'm highly susceptible to all of a sudden I'm overwatering a tray of basil or a flat or a, a watering table. That's got eight trays of basil and basil super, uh, you know, susceptible to overwater or, you know, 
it, it's affected by overwatering. You know, so the mistakes that the automation makes are probably a little bit less than the mistakes we make, but it does make mistakes. So that's where we're at with that. So we just kind of accept the mistakes. <laughs> so some things, sometimes we come back after two days and some stuff's dried out and sometimes some stuff's overwatered and we just kind of go, eh, it is what it is. And we'll, we'll like, so if it's overwatered, we pull the, the plug on the flood table for a day or two and we monitor it and then, you know, whatever. So we basically come here every day anyway. And I try not to come here on Sundays is it, but a lot of times they still do, you know, um, that's just kind of my life it, it, you know, whatever. So, you know, speaking to the, uh, fan, fantasizing of how to, you know, you can grow microgreens in your bathroom and make $3,000 a week. Those fucking assholes. Um, I come here every day. <laughs> and check plants and make sure shit watered correctly and move stuff around and plant things and tote bags of soil up and down the stairs and you know what i mean do all that shit is your warehouse so, uh upstairs yeah, uh, on a second second floor oh wow it sucks so that that actually is probably my biggest uh the second biggest problem with this lease space my, my biggest problem with the lease space that i'm in is the inability to climate control it. It's it's very, very leaky because it's old, um, and I'm not going to spend the money to insulate it. So, you know, we that ship has sailed. We've been here, though, for six years, no, five years. Um, so I should have done it five years ago, but I didn't, so whatever. Um, of course, I didn't know five years ago that it was so leaky. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, we. And is it is it one of those situations where like if it's leaky, like you have to fix it? Like, is it one of those commercial? Oh Oh, wow. I've talked, I've talked to them before about like, hey, the uh, rooftop heating slash air conditioner, you know, heat exchanger unit is uh, from 1956. Maybe we should replace that. (laughs) And they're like, well, you buy the unit, we'll pay for the labor. And I'm like, fuck you. (laughs) Like that's not happening. Are you insane? They're like. How about I buy the unit and pay a guy to put it in, and then when I leave, I take it with me and leave a hole in the top of the building. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, are you kidding? Yeah, that I think that's what yeah. scared me about commercial real estate for the longest yeah, time is like my buddy who owns um, a brewery and a restaurant, like it's a standalone building, but he has oh, to do yeah. like all the work to it and. Yep. Yeah, I, like, I ran restaurants for so long. I kind of knew I was getting into that. Like. Yeah. You know, like. With restaurants, it's crazy. Like with corporate restaurants, it's like, hey, the roof's leaking. Well, you're responsible for that, you know. So it's it's nuts. Um, so I, uh, you know, I basically I just put in space heaters. I just went, all right, I just won't use that piece of shit. And I turned it off on the at the panel, and I put two space heaters in. But now I have the LEDs, and they put up so much heat. I really don't need much heat in the winter. It's actually more of a fight in the in the summer to keep it cool. And even now at nighttime, it's like sixty something outside. And when all the lights come on at night, the AC comes on to try to cool it off. It's it's crazy. So I'm working on a situation where I'm going to have an exhaust fan that actually blows in at nighttime to try to blow the cooler nighttime air in instead of running an air conditioner to counteract the the lights from the or the heat from the LEDs. And I have an exhaust an actual exhaust fan on the ceiling that sucks hot air out <clears throat> that comes on on a timer. Yeah. It's just a massive struggle here because the other part of it is with a lease building is it's like you can't cut a hole through the wall and put some exhaust fan in. You know what I mean? So I have windows on the front and I've covered the windows with like that real thick foam insulation 
yeah. a two inch thick foam. I just like built a frame out of two by threes and glued that fucker into the windows and opened up the windows. And now I cut holes through the insulation when I need to do stuff. So that's my only way to vent or have an inlet. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, it's a challenge. You got to overcome a lot of weird shit. And then it's, it's just not ideal. And then if I leased a bigger warehouse, you know, like an actual warehouse with like a bay door, that kind of thing, like you would put a brewery in. My concern with that is you see the big ass like propane blower heaters in those buildings, right? Yeah. Those are like super expensive to run. All the heat's concentrated in that one area. I'm sure those things aren't insulated for shit, you know, and they're super expensive per square foot. And you're yeah. going to have the same problems. I can't cut holes like, you know. So, I don't know, man. Like it's 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 a tough racket like I do have a plan. We can get into that into another show. But yeah, I this think was, this wasn't even on our notes. No, no, no. We, yeah, I was about to say, <laughs> so tell me about your sales. Um, so, yeah, we were doing, uh, our goal has always been kind of uh, 1500 a week in greens, right? And I specify that because we also do egg sales and we have uh, syrup and honey and mustards and resales that we sell for other farms. Um, so 1500 a week in greens kind of hits our, our requirements for our bills on the farm and feeds the ducks and everything and pays for the room that you see behind me, sort of, and, uh, you know, whatever, pays for seeds and soil and all that, insurance, cell phones, blah, blah, blah. And then it also kind of pays us, right? And then everything beyond that is extra, which is fantastic. Um, and then overall, 2000 a week in sales, like, including like syrup and stuff. So we were like so close. We were doing like 1100 or 1100, 1200, you know, in the last like six, eight weeks. And then, well, actually six, eight weeks ago. And then we got, I started like a marketing effort probably. So, so right at, obviously you couldn't like walk into a restaurant during COVID and walk into a kitchen and be like, Hey man, I'm, I'm like a fucking walking germ and I'm here in the kitchen, <laughs> you know, like, how you doing? You don't know me. Cough, cough. So like you couldn't do that. So marketing during COVID was kind of weird with restaurants. So we were not doing it. And just before COVID, we were doing it. So we kind of put all that on hold. And then uh, now that that's over, we were going to go right back to marketing. But then uh, it turned out the wife was pregnant. So I didn't want to go and market and get new restaurants and then go, Oh, and by the way, we're going to take two to three weeks off in June, you mm. know? Yeah. <clears throat> so we put off marketing until after the baby came. So then once we did that, we took a couple weeks off for the baby and then we got, you know, crops going again and got built back up to production and got settled back in. Cause obviously things are a little different. Um, then we got, we just hit marketing hard and I had marketed to like 20 new restaurants and I had gotten none. And I was like getting really fucking discouraged, frankly. Yeah. <laughs> our conversion was like one to four before, you know, like 25%. So like I'd go to four, I'd almost always get one of the four. So I had been to 20 and I hadn't gotten any of them. And I was like, what is going on here? Is this a COVID thing? Is this just like, cause I've tapped out the market? Like what the fuck? So, um, and we mostly had covered just like the rest of New Hampshire and stuff and like the northeast uh, seacoast of Massachusetts, like with this marketing. <clears throat> so I just said, you know what? Screw it. We're going to go into Boston. And I had some concerns because I know there's a company right in Boston. Um, and I was like, there's no way we're going to get any of these restaurants because we're like right near them. 
you know, like trying to get these guys. And there's no way we're going to walk into a restaurant and they haven't already been there. So, you know, I went into this restaurant, <clears throat> Span- uh, Mexican restaurant, kind of whatever. I don't know. That kind of food. Is it fancy and, Mexican? Um, what's that? Is it like fancier Mexican restaurant? I guess, Yeah. It's like a celebrity chef, I guess. Oh, OK. Concept. Yeah. Yeah. And so I don't I don't know his name. I'm terrible he's not the chef there now he started it yeah he just owns a, it right yeah he's at another concept now that i can't supply because it's too big which is crazy um so like i had that opportunity that was the weird part about it so i go in and i talk to the chef it's a, a spanish dude and um he's like you got to go talk to the uh the big guy you know basically at this other concept and i'm like all right so i had plans to go to a different restaurant with my other set of samples and he sends me up the road to this other place. So I'm like, fuck it. I'll take these other samples to that guy. And I show up and he was cool, like super nice. Went in with my samples and he shows me the stuff he's getting now. And he's getting like this fiend herbs blend, which I refuse to fucking say other than one time we're going to call it fine herbs going forward because I don't say croissant. I say fucking croissant. Yeah. So <laughs> fine herbs are like tarragon, chervil, parsley and something else. Right. Tarragon. You can't really do. Like, Somebody tarragon. asked me. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's you can't even really grow tarragon. Like yeah. It's... So so he wasn't really getting that. He was just calling it fine herbs. It looked like to me it looked like like amaranth and it was leeks and it was um, chervil and maybe parsley and maybe something else. But I was looking at the guy's blend and I'm like, it's really nice. It's really short. It's it was literally like the leaf and like a quarter of an inch of stem. And I'm like, holy shit! Like this guy's like shaving the top of these greens. And these are long grows, okay? And he's selling them to this guy for like three bucks an ounce. And the guy's going through like pounds. And I'm like, how the fuck does this guy even do this? Like, and he's buying. So I went to the guy's website. He's buying all his greens from Johnny's, which is like one of the most expensive seed suppliers. <laughs> like, holy shit. How is this guy even in business? So. Does he get grants? I mean, good for him. I don't know. He's in Rhode Island and he's getting it done. But I looked at it and I'm like, I can't. I can't supply this guy. He's got two locations. He's using like 12 pounds a week or something of this shit. I'm like, there's no way I can do it. I don't have the capacity. And it's like, I don't even know how to make money on that. So I grew some test trays, but I was like, there's no way. So, cause every one of those crops is pretty much, I mean, the, the amaranth's fast, but it's a pain in the ass. <clears throat> and like, I think we've only, we grew it. We have, I have amaranth seed. I think we just grew I fucking it once. hate it. I won't yeah. grow it. <laughs> It's the worst. It dampens off. It's the worst. So chervil, parsley, and leeks, though, are like a 17-day grow, you know? So it's kind of a longer crop, and it's like, oh, my God. And then you're cutting it, like, this tall. So you're you're yielding, like, what, like two or three ounces to a tray? Yeah. I can't even imagine what it, you got to be able to do to get enough for this guy, you know? And maybe it's a little shorter grow time because of that. Who knows? But... Anyway, so that didn't work out, but he did say, like, the other guy at the, the Spanish restaurant is on his own, and he can make his own decisions. So I was like, all right, I'm going to focus on that. So he was only getting pea tendrils and cilantro, so I went and just fucking hammered that the next week, and I got it. So um, that is pea tendrils and cilantro, like, $500 a week. So Oh, wow. So he's ordering awesome. a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. No, I had to do pricing, though, for him, so... That was the thing. He's like, basically just pulled out the invoice for the produce company and said, this is what I pay. <laughs> and I went, okay, that's what I charge. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what are you going to do? 
So So is it was it less than what you were charging normally? Oh or? yeah. It's oh. like for the cilantro, it's like half what I charge. Like so I was at the time I actually just came down on my cilantro price because I was having a hard time producing until what recently. If, what if actually New York started they dropped prices because I took so much of their money and then it fucked you over? That'd be fucked up. I would come and burn your grill into the ground. No, because <laughs> I I charge like half of what like well because like well Premier Produce One is buying can't. it and then they'll some, they they mark it up. So at it's, some point they can't, right? I mean, yeah, I I I don't know because I don't think um. I remember like I I took some uh, aquaponic vertical growing companies lunch money that like some joint out of Akron. Right. And they're like, we don't understand how we could charge that little. It's like, cause I don't have the overhead. Like I don't yeah. have a bunch well, of employees. And honestly, like I have had that happen to me. Like, so, Oh, I, I just recently had somebody come and they, they, they uh, were selling shittier pea shoots than mine. It's yep. a restaurant that I've been with since the restaurant opened and they still want yep. my cilantro. So I, I said, yeah, no problem. And then I gave them like, I gave him like a bunch of pea shoots for free. That's that's Be- what I did. Because I was just like, look, I yeah. saw if they're cheaper than me, I know that it's gonna be hard for them to stay in business. I yep. saw what they have. Their stuff looks like shit. Yep. And yep. they and they were using my old containers. Um, and they didn't even use like a paper towel or anything to protect the yep. greens. So that's just, a, dude, this is like it's like the people that I had to compete with moved out there. <laughs> that's funny it's like fucking exact like or it's like they bought the same course yeah yeah maybe so like i had this shitty lettuce farm up north of me and it's you know it's one of those things where it's like i had to start out from shit and this is like a farm that grows lettuce and they inherited all their land and stuff and whatever you know they have zero overhead and they show up and i had been in communication with them at some point and i said look i'll stay out of your area you know whatever if you ever want to resell some of my shit and, and vice versa let me know and then like six months later they're in my biggest account like poaching my shit and i'm like mm. what the hell you know yeah so i was like all right motherfucker it's on <laughs> so i did what you did they were still buying the specialty stuff for me you know the stuff that like it, it looks like you're making a lot of money on it because it's high dollar you're actually not no and, and actually you try oh. to save that stuff for people that get the stuff that you actually make yeah. money on you're actually making your money on sunflowers and radish and peas yeah so you like you only reserve the nice yeah. stuff for yep. those customers because it's like well yeah. i'm going to reward the people that get other stuff too yeah so they were buying like shiso and like um basil off of me and then they were they started buying sunflower and peas off this these other assholes and i was like are you kidding me so I just started showing up with peas, and I would I just was giving it to them. Yeah, <laughs> it fucked them up. So, um, eventually, I just like confronted the chef, and I was like, "Dude, you're fucking killing me! Like, I don't understand what's going on. Was there a problem with my product? Like, what?" what and he why? just probably said, "No, it's just cheaper. I'm yeah. sorry, man." Yeah. Well, he said, "No." His answer was this, and it blew my mind. He goes, "Well, I ha- I want to I want to help them out, and I have to get a minimum order from them." And I'm like, "So let me get this straight." They need help, but then they're setting impossible fucking parameters, and they have a worse product. Yeah, that costs more, that costs more money. I'm like, what kind of fucking help do they actually? Whenever, need? whenever you a know? chef tells like, me I want to help as many farms as possible, I just say, well, I don't want to work with you because it's like, yeah, you, it's, it's it doesn't help the farmers to like have to yeah. compete with each other and like, well, it's not worth I, our time to just drop off like you know ten yeah. bucks worth of stuff. 
Yeah. I bought a new gun two days ago, right? Yeah. And I needed a small carry gun because apparently you never know when some jackass is going to shoot up a fucking supermarket in a small town. <laughs> so I needed a smaller gun because I don't always carry. So I went to like four gun stores and there's like a couple around here. And the first one was like, they're cool. You know, they're nice, but they don't have a lot of stock. So there's that place, right? And they're a little pricey. Then yeah. I went to the second place, and they they always have everything, and everything's super cheap. But the guy is just such a prick, uh. you know. And I'm like, why, man? Like, what? And it's no reason. You just walk in, and he's closing in a half hour. And he's like, ah, oh, we're closing in a fucking half hour. And he's like, and that's exactly what he said. And I'm just like, yeah, I get it, man. I can read. It's on the door. Like, calm down. I'm here to look at some handguns, you know. Like, what the fuck. And then he doesn't want to show you anything. And I'm just like, I can see what I want. It's there. Does he own the you store? Know? Yeah, he's the owner. He's just a prick. And I'm like, okay. Like, and, and this is what I'll, I always do this when I'm buying a gun. I'll go around and I try to spread it around, right? Like you were just saying. I always want to spread it around, like almost like that chef. But then I always end up the last three times at, and it's always been a utility purchase. Like the last two are 22s for farm protection. <clears throat> and this last one was a small carry gun, right? But I start out at the gun store that I like, but never has any selection and, and is high price, but I like them, right? But they never have what I need. Then I go to the asshole who's super, super cheap and has everything, but he's such a prick I won't buy there. <laughs> then I end up at a store that, like, I've never been to, and I kind of scope it out, but it's like, you know, like it's kind of hit or miss in there, you know, whatever. And then I always end up at this one place where the guy's nice and he always has like a moderate price. He gives you a cash discount, but it's still moderate price, you know, whatever. And they're prompt and they're like super helpful. And I just always end up buying there. Right? Yeah. So it's like I want to spread it around, but I still always end up at the best one. Yeah. Yeah. I think <laughs> so like, what are we doing here? Like just and that was that chef that I, I didn't understand what his logic was like. Just I'm the best one. Yeah. Like, and I'm not being a fucking pompous asshole right now. I'm looking at the product and it sucks. And their weird parameters make their customer service shit, you know? And my stuff is like, it's washed. It's in the right packaging. It's got the moisture pad. I do custom orders. You don't, even, you can order two fucking ounces from me. This guy wanted him to order like six packages minimum or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what the hell? And it's like, I don't know. It doesn't make, it'd be like if he went straight to the asshole every time and asked for punishment. Yeah, I, I never understood why farmers make crazy demands with restaurants. And then yeah. when restaurants fall in line, it's like, yo, I'm trying to help you save on food costs and quality. Like, my shelf life's going to be superior. My quality's going to be superior. I'm cheaper than the distributors, which, and I'm consistent, just as consistent. I mean, I've had issues this year, but I'm just as consistent as the distributors. So, what's the problem? Yeah. So. Um, like, I think the lesson there is, like, if you're trying to start out or if you're trying to be successful at this, like, the low-hanging fruit is make your business the model that isn't what I described there, right? And what yeah. you just described. It's a shitty place. And go in and talk to chefs or whatever your customer is, right? And figure out what they're lacking and design your business around what you hear the most that, like, their problem is, right? I mean... yeah. I don't I don't step on like yeah. look if you want to go to business if you want to go to war with me in business like I'm an asshole like if yeah. like that like I've tried to help a lot of small farmers and I said look I'll distribute for you and I'll just buy it from you. Yeah. And then they try to compete with me and then they lose. Yeah. So um 
Well, hey, how do we want to end this show? We don't actually have any outro um, on, the, yeah. <laughs> on the sheet, but we're at an hour. We got nothing. I think that, uh, yeah, so we covered like a tenth of our list. <laughs> I think I covered, right. I actually covered uh, all of my stuff. Oh, did you? Yeah, you covered, I, I think I dominated a little too much. So yeah, we're good on my stuff. Uh, that's fine. We'll cover some of my shit next week. Um, oh, yeah, I did talk about. Yeah, we didn't talk about your new account, potential new no, account. No, we did. Oh, you did? Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah, that was the big one that I can't supply. And then... Oh, shit. The quail thing. Yeah, we didn't get into your quail. Yeah, but that's whatever. Yeah. Actually, that's probably best to put that off, because I have some other Updates. parts of that that I'm experimenting with, yeah. And uh, I'm having supply chain issues, man. We kind of touched on that. Well, we, we should really get into the trays and how that's all these new farmers thing, yeah, are Nick, making we can it. talk about supply chain. And that's week. the worst, too. Like, right now, like, you're you're hawking these courses for people to make money, and it's like, there's no place to get trays. So now yeah. all these people that are buying trays. There are no trays. They're going to be in business for two months and probably throw their trays away. So, yeah, yeah so this is it. If you're in Columbus, Ohio, and uh, this is how I want to close out the show, or you're in Ohio in general. And you have old microgreen supply that you purchased and you don't want to use it anymore, <laughs> please contact me. It's uh, capitalcitygardens at gmail.com. Or yeah. you can uh, message me through Twitter or Instagram, Cap City Greens or at your sample. Reach out to me because I need some troll troll I need some trolls. trolls. I need some I need some trolls. I need some trolls. <laughs> I need some hole I need some trays with holes in them. Uh, because Dowie from did you reach out to True Leaf yet to see? Oh, no, oh, I forgot about that. What I do yeah. have is um, I have deep trays. Yeah. Um, you talked to me about that solution, which I don't. Yeah, I'm not I have, ready to I do yet. No shortage uh, right now of uh, deep, heavy-duty trays with and without holes. But there is no such thing as shallow holes germination trays like you use for microgreens anywhere in the country right now, other than maybe a TO plastics um, version of it, and they fucking suck. Like you don't want those. Um, they're not compatible with the, uh, the the other brand that I sell. Yeah. The, the, good, the good one. They just don't. They don't nest. And uh, yeah. So I did have a sort. I don't know. Made for the next show. I have some. I got to figure out what the hell happened. So I had some uh, shallow no holes in a different supplier. Okay. That's way more expensive. Um, Are those the ones which, I just bought? think so okay did i send you two shipments or one one shipment okay no so, or maybe i'll have to check were they okay they were great yeah okay yeah. because i sent them to another person and they weren't compatible for some reason and i i had to get a hold of that supplier and go were these the wrong brand or what and it's like this is the problem with reselling and drop shipping stuff it's a fucking mess sometimes because you don't actually see the product. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. And then like when there's a supply issue or with this customer service issue, it's like, you got to really try to figure it out because you want to provide a good product and good service. But like, sometimes you can't because you, you don't see it, you know? So like I had a customer get a product that doesn't seem right. And I saw a picture of it. They sent me and I'm like, that doesn't look right to me. It looks like a TO plastics, but I reached out to that supplier or that drop shipper that I use and they don't even have fucking TO plastics. And I'm like, this is weird. So um, I'm kind of in a weird spot with that because I, they have more, but I don't want to sell them if they're not right. You know what I mean? They're the only place in the country that has any shallow trays, though. 
So I could have a case sent to you, and you could check them out. Um, but they might be wrong. That's what I'm worried about. For the bottoms? Well, they're they're solids, yeah. So they're yeah. no holes. But I, I have plenty of those. Drill holes. Yeah, I guess it is. Um, yeah. I use a. I got a drill bit that I can show you on, that I get on Amazon. It's wick. It's like it's like eight inches long and you just fucking bam right through all. Really? Of it. Yeah. Yeah. So show me that, and then because uh, I, I, I keep meaning to make a video of it, and I just don't. That's a great video. That would actually be a really helpful me, video. Me drilling holes through trays. Great video. Yeah, you know what was. Yeah. So okay. So what? Let's have a call to action. What do we want to have a call to action uh, for our our listeners? I think if you uh, <clears throat> if there's anything you want to hear us talk about, put it in the comments of my YouTube video, and I'll um we'll try to get to some questions. And, and also uh, for the algorithm, put uh, eight inch drill bit, just so we know that you listen to the whole thing. So if you listen oh. to the whole thing, put eight inch drill bit in the. I like that. Yeah. I've been I've been watching a lot of more plates, more dates. That dude really understands YouTube. I didn't I didn't I don't know anything about this. So <laughs> Yeah, so for the so for the algorithm, make sure you guys like and share the video too. So it's gonna be I think I think um you I think you're gonna be the only one that does the video. So it's up to you. If you want to put it out, you can put it out. It and makes more sense. It, it makes more Odyssey sense for you just to do it, man. Yeah, it just makes more sense for you to do it. Yeah. I know we talked about Odyssey and such a pain in my ass. Like Odyssey bit shoot. They won't auto transfer my shit, and they need 720p. And I don't know, man. I always put everything up in high def, and then. Yeah. But since I'm gonna output this through my uh, software, it probably only take me five minutes to put it out in 720. So maybe we'll do Odyssey and YouTube, and you're gonna put it out in Podcast 2.0 at some point somehow, or you already are. Uh, I'm gonna just put it on the sample R feed, and, and then. That goes. Uh, yeah, and, and it's already in it's already in the index, but I didn't have to do anything. Like Adam Curry and them already pulled it. Um, awesome. Shout out to Adam Curry, the Podfather. The Podfather, man. The Podfather. Nice. Um, yeah, I'm trying to get I'm trying to get my show on the No Agenda stream. Uh, Sir Bemrose is not. Uh, I don't know. I don't think he likes me. So I'm gonna make him listen to this one too, and he'll probably say, "Ah, it's not. I don't like you. It's just uh, just whatever he keeps saying." <laughs> well, I don't he won't know. Like this part. <laughs> yeah, I don't really care. I mean, well, we both listen to the goddamn show. I know, and I'm a knight. I'm a we knight. I'm a oh, knight. Yeah, no, I'm. I'm Sir Bubba Hotep. That, how much does that actually cost? It's a thousand bucks. Oh my god! So I was using I'm it. I was. I was using it to. 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 I mean, I. I made enough money and like yeah. from promotions with the listeners. So because I was. I was just doing it to advertise my farm and like, hey, if you're in the columbus ohio area like once i get my website going i'll probably do it again so make oh, so another you, donation you advertised and then used the oh yeah yeah and, and john dvorak gave me and adam gave me a great plug it was awesome no shit yeah and my buddy nathan frazier wrote the uh he wrote my note so like for free uh-huh. and he does sales once copy what's um, the supply again <laughs> yeah. i'm gonna i have other items i'm gonna add to the um to the to the online store yeah and I have a nice new website name, agoristgreenhouse.com. Agorist Greenhouse? Agor- how- See, we all say it different. Yeah. Anyway, so, <laughs> so um, yeah, or you could get it at dowiefarm.com, but whatever. Um, so, and I have actually other stuff. It's not just flats. I have yeah. a whole line of uh, pots and shuttle trays and stuff for them from that same company that I'm going to sell next year. So, yeah. So, if you guys are in the New England market, definitely check out John's website. He has a yeah. bunch of he has a way more functional website than mine. I got to redo the back end. So that's that's um, I already mentioned that earlier in the show. So go there, 
do that. Don't forget to put uh, eight inch drill bit in the in the comments on YouTube. Um, and if you guys are listening to this on the sample hour, go ahead and check out the show notes. And uh, if you want to give me some value for value, if you found this in value, don't be afraid to donate um, to me on my on my show. And uh, yeah, and that's all I got, John. Yeah, man. I'll also be on Unloose the Goose tomorrow on nice. September 29th, my first time. I'll be very excited about that. So Hell yeah. That. Hell yeah. Is that, uh, is that Spearco's show? Yeah, it's uh, Spearco and um, Nicole Sauce and uh, shit. I can't remember the rest of the people's names now, and I know them, and I have just the worst memory it's, ever. It's all good. Make sure you plug our new show. I will. Cool. It'll be exciting. Because I want to try to get this out tonight. Awesome. Yeah. yeah awesome. Man. All right. Well, I'll do the same. Hey, thanks for watching. Yeah, thanks for tuning in, guys.